0: Broadcasting live from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in Tallahassee's All Saints District, this is The Front Row with Tom Block and Keith Jones, presented by Hobson Chevrolet. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Here's Tom Block and Keith Jones.
1: Welcome to the Front Row National Signing Day 2016 edition. Some Did we have a 2015? Consider it, uh, no, this is actually, uh, once we're finished with it, this will be the only National Signing Day edition of the Front Row. At least... Uh, Just want to make sure I didn't we, miss anything. That we've ever done. No, I don't recall doing one in 2015. But uh, good to see you, KJ. Happy to be here. Both uh, together in the studio again, uh, simultaneously after that, that absence that absence, so sad. That would be the so same said. as
2: again, Simultaneously.
1: You got it. How many times are you going to tell me to shut up today? That's what I'm curious about. It was about. three last time. Over and under is four. Okay. Well, you got you got to do a half number here. So three and a half or four and a half. See, I'm just telling you again, I don't gamble. All right. So here's the deal, folks. It is National Signing Day. We will speak about the importance of this, and we do subscribe to the theory that it is important. It's self-relevance. I've been, I've, I've been around uh, this in, in many capacities for uh, many, many years now. Uh, I won't expound about all that. But what's happening today, folks... There was
2: folks, a 1-900 number involved, but There that's was, but story. Tom
1: Lang and I discussed that in your absence a couple of weeks ago, so people have to dig up the archives to get the rest of that story. But because of uh, Jimbo Fisher's National Signing Day Party, which is uh, taking place... Uh, literally as you're listening to this uh on wednesday evening and someone we know is involved in that yes uh, i i'm involved in that and i'm, I'm privileged enough to emcee that uh, and honored again to do that so the point being we're taping this early on national signing day which means that we cannot uh fill in the blanks on specifically who committed and who did what and all that but uh through modern technology and the brilliance of tom lang we are going to bring you some comments from jimbo here about his class which, uh, all kidding aside, regardless of how it uh, finishes up, is going to be another very, very good class, which continues a pattern of excellence in recruiting for Jimbo and his staff. Uh, again, as we sit here and record, I can't tell you if it's one, two, three, four, or eight, but there's going to be some good players in this class.
2: Two things about that: number one, uh, as is the case most of the time, and people give service, lip service to it, but Jimbo is very committed to it. You recruit to need. You know, you, you project out three and four years and what who's gonna be here and who's gonna do what and, and you gotta go get when the time comes, three offensive linemen and five linebackers or four defensive backs and two receivers, whatever it is. The other part, and coach Coach Bowden's preached this all the time and Jimbo has echoed it as well, you know, there's just some kids you gotta go after even if you've got too many of a particular position, or if you don't know quite where that person's gonna fit position wise. And there's nobody, nobody in the country that's better than looking at 15- and 16- and 17-year-olds in camp when they're in Tallahassee for the summer camps and projecting where they're going to be when they're 20, 21, 22 years old, both in terms of what they're going to look like and what position they would be best served in. And there's just nobody better than Jimbo. So when he tells you he's going to go out and get – You know some kids that he doesn't quite know where they fit yet. He probably knows a real good idea where they're going to fit,
1: and they're probably really, really good players. All right, we'll hear from Jimbo. He he meets the media mid to late afternoon every signing day. We'll get to those comments momentarily. I do need to point out that this portion of the program is brought your way by Madison Social. Tip of the cap to uh, the folks at Madison Social, as always. Uh, We often uh, discuss their brunch. I was uh, not in town last weekend, but they decided that free bacon – as we uh transition to basketball would be a good idea and in fact it now has stretched over three games and so fsu is three and zero in the free bacon era and i think that continues this weekend and it's
2: something above 22
1: or 2300 pounds of bacon whatever it is i mean we'll talk about dwayne bacon's performance monday night as fsu got a much needed win we'll do that with tim Linnefeld coming up but uh bacon and madison social both good ideas separately you combine them you throw in florida state uh, at wake forest this saturday all in one and uh you've got everything you need that well said, that said, now let's go and uh, we'll we'll listen in. And this was uh, earlier today. Again, uh, if you're just tuning in, Keith and I, because of other obligations at uh, Jimbo's National Signing Day party, that's uh, taking place as you're listening to this right now, uh, we recorded this early on Signing Day. But this was Jimbo mid afternoon, late afternoon on on Wednesday Signing Day, as uh, he met the media to discuss the the 2016 Tribe class.
3: First off, I would. Uh like to welcome all of our new recruits to to part of our, being part of our family here at Florida State. We see ourselves as a family and uh... Uh, we uh, think we added to our family today quite well in a lot of regards, not just as far as football players, but as far as high-character quality young men who are interested in getting a great education and uh, also can play a little ball. But, uh, you know, very happy with the group we got. Uh, very proud of our coaches. I think our coaches did an outstanding job building these relationships. A lot of these relationships were two-, three-, and four-year relationships, spent a lot of time, a lot of hard-fought battles, uh, very unique uh, group, and, and if you go back and look at this class, was 25 signees, 13 kids from the state of Florida. But we signed kids from 10 different states. So, I mean, I think the brand of Florida State being able to be out there and people being very interested in being part of our culture and what we do here and our winning traditions and our championship traditions, I think, speaks for itself. But also, great job by coaches when you sign guys outside of your normal home base areas to build in the, and the, and the high quality of players in which we were able to do that. That's a, that's a very hard thing to do consistently. And uh, I think our coaches did a tremendous job in what they did. And also the support staff and the people here, once they came on the visits, uh, I think everyone here, and we got a lot of great feedback from the high quality people that everyone had to deal with here, had nothing to do with coaches or myself, that were just the support staff in every way, shape, and form. And like I say, everybody who uh, has a part in Florida State has a part in this program that affects our program, and uh, they guys did a great job in that regard, and most importantly, our players. Our players did a tremendous job of hosting kids and showing them, our, everyone come back so they felt very comfortable around our players, even the star players, they were nervous and so you know I didn't know how to be around guys such as Dalvin Cook and Demarcus Walker and guys that have such a big name and you worry." and they said coach they were just normal good old guys just like us and our players understood the importance of recruiting and how many young players have an impact in your program just like a lot of them did when they came in and uh... I think they're passing that down and making these guys feel very comfortable in visits and letting them know that there's a great family atmosphere here and, and that everyone here will take care of you in a great regard and help you in, in all phases in development as a person, as a student, as a player. And But uh, just extremely excited about it. Uh, we feel like the guys that we evaluated, that we were very comfortable in the guys that we were able to get and uh, are the guys we wanted. And uh, like you said, everybody said, would you get everybody? There's, you don't ever get everybody you recruit. But I don't worry about those. I worry about the ones we've gotten, and we've gotten a great – group of guys and a great group of players so very excited about the future and hopefully in time we'll see how how things turn out we got to keep developing players and our coaches do a great job of that as uh, some of our highest draft picks and things that have went on have came from some of our even lower ranked guys so not only are but our high ranked guys are panning out also so uh, I think it's a great job our, our testament to our staff and how they're developing these guys once they get here and in all phases so very proud of this group. Well, I'm sure you enjoy some of the stress-free signing days. when every, every usually does not see mm-hmm. many guys up on the floor. But it, does it also add an, an intriguing element when you do have four or five guys where you feel confident about but you're not going to know on signing days? Yeah, I mean, well, it depends on which side of that you have. <laughs> if you feel like you're going to get them or you're not going to get them. I mean, it goes that way. For fans, I think it's fun. But, you know, recruiting's changed so much. And I think each year you may close them all next year or they may all come. I mean, it just goes back and forth. But, you um, it does. We had a good feeling. On, I, I had a good feeling on most of the guys I, I felt today went about like I thought it would go. And when you do know that, and it works out that way, that's a great deal.
1: Jimbo Fisher, uh, about his class, and obviously seven early enrollees, uh, one of them being a quarterback. And uh, just a couple thoughts about this, and then we, we will get Tim Linefeld next segment. Uh, we, we've also got a, a former star player at Florida State that went through the signing process uh, pre, pre-social pre media days, but I think it's going to be interesting perspective, and, and he'll join us in a little bit. But you and I uh, joke about this, and, and the, the many years that I covered this, Keith, I, I do f- <laughs> It feels like, and I don't have any science to back it up, it feels like there's an inverse relationship involving drama and prospects and signing day, meaning the more drama there is about where I'm going to sign or how many hats I have or how big my press conference there is, the less actual results there are on the field throughout my playing career for said recruit. And
2: And, and tangents to that, how many times I commit, decommit, recommit, and – and, and and secondly, in today's social media, how many times I tweeted about it? Uh, it? You're exactly right. The more there is of it, the recruiting, the less there is of it performance two, three, four years down the road.
1: And, and I do like, you know, and Jimbo says this, and I'm not intimately involved. I'm not involved at all in how they recruit. But – Uh, you know, Jimbo lets his guys, so you're committed, go visit someplace else. I want to know 100% that this is where you want to be because if it's not, frankly, I don't want you here at the end of the day if if you've got that kind of stuff. So I I know people go crazy for recruiting. I know because I did voice a 900 hotline at the Osceola about it. I worked at Channel 27 and covered signing day for years and years. Dan Kender, Tom and I talked about this a couple weeks ago, when Dan Kender committed, this was, again, pre-social media and he was Tim Tebow before Tim Tebow. I got a hold of three minutes of tape from some station in Pennsylvania, and he might as well have had an S on his chest, this highlight compilation of Dan Kendrick in high school. And Dan's career ultimately won a national title as a fullback, but he had injuries along the way. It never panned out the way we thought it would, uh, which is nothing against Dan at all. It's just hard. It's hard for me to get overly excited about this until they put the pads on, and we really know who's ready to go. The best stat of all of this,
2: and I haven't heard for 2016, but the best stat of all of this is they look at the Super Bowl, And they say, how many players on, what, 153 each team, 106, how many of those 106 were five-star recruits when they came out of high school? And you know what the number always
1: is, either zero or one. Yeah, it's probably getting to be more than that now, but your point is well served. I do think recruiting has evolved, uh, when I say recruiting, well it's evolved in terms of how colleges recruit but in, in terms of how it's covered by the media because now you do have these regional camps national camps you get the uh said or the alleged best against the alleged best and can better judge well, the them, seven it's still, sevens it's and all still the an inexact science it. i mean they can't figure out i mean nfl teams invest thousands millions of dollars to figure out who should be a first round pick and they can't get it right so not everybody that signed today is going to live up to the billing but some guys that are three stars guess what they're going to turn to be pretty good players and that's just the way it pans out so i'm not mocking recruiting at all all. it, it is completely relevant absolutely important I trust Jimbo and his staff and the way they evaluate and whatever uh, he ended up with is going to be a pretty good class. And again, and and you're going to hear me say this often today. We're recording this early in the day on Signing Day, so we don't know how the cards uh, actually played out. That said, we'll step aside for now. Come back. We will turn our attention to basketball. The Hoops team got a huge win on Monday night. Our Seminoles.com insider Tim Linnefelt will join us right after this as we continue on the first ever National Signing Day edition of the Front Row.
0: Front Row with Tom Block and Keith Jones, only on 97.9 ESPN Radio. Here's Tom and Keith.
1: now for our seminoles.com insider report as we welcome you back to a national signing day edition of the front row tom block keith jones and we're joined now by our seminoles.com insider tim lennefeld and again the disclaimer we've been given throughout the show is that uh, we're recording this earlier in the day on signing day so we're not giving you an up-to-the-minute perspective but if you want you could go to seminoles.com and get up to the minute perspective or the new website. Tell us what's going on in terms of uh, coverage, Tim, from your end in seminoles.com.
4: Oh, my goodness. It's just, uh, it's all kind of stuff. It's like a, a cornucopia of, of signing day, if you will. I would, the, the website to visit is Tribe 16com Fsutribe16.com. It's got all the photos, highlights, bios, anything you can possibly think of for the incoming class of 2016. Updated pretty much to the second when the uh, when the national letters of intent come across our fax machine, the website gets updated with uh, with everything you need to know about that particular player. So it should be a lot of fun. Uh, we also expect to have some coverage from the uh, the coaches' war room, where uh, the coaching staff is gathered, watching the the coverage, watching some of the guys that Florida State is in on as they get prepared to uh, to announce their decisions. So uh, really, everything you need is right there. fsutribe 16 dot com should be a lot of fun.
1: Here's what I want to know. Are there any pictures from your birthday celebration that will be available on this website? <laughs> the big 4-0. No, that's, that's the a big 4 4-0. Happy 40th, by the way, Tim. Congratulations.
4: Yeah, yeah. Thanks, fellas. <laughs> We're, uh, I'm, I'm hoping I can get that far. I'm just, I'm just happy to be as far as I
1: am. Yeah, well, you're 30. We'll set the record that's straight right. since that's you right. didn't. Uh, happy 30th to you. Uh, I didn't get as good that, response as I slide. expected. Yeah, uh, well, he's not there yet. He's, he's still adjusting to coming to terms with 30. You and I would be happy to be 40 now. Oh my gosh. right now. Oh, my gosh. But uh, happy birthday to you. Let's talk some hoops, Tim. And again, because we're taping this, we can't get you to react on, on guys that as we tape this, we don't know for sure if they've signed or not. So let's talk basketball. Monday night, uh, you know, I think everybody had the fear that that second half was was looking a lot like the pit game, but it didn't end up that way. And so as we sit here, Florida State's 5-5, five and five, and uh, just general thoughts now that we've got a, in this free bacon area era at uh, Madison Social, we've got a three-game win streak and the team's at 500 in the conference.
4: I think the first thing just to look at is that they did what they had to do, right, after that pit game, which, look, it's going to hurt, and and it's going to continue to hurt because the thing about a loss like that is, you know, when you do well moving forward, you think, oh, gosh, but think how much better it could be if they'd won that game, or if you do poorly after that, you think, oh, and it's made even worse by the fact that they lost that game. But after that pit game, we look at that next stretch of four games, which was – Boston College, and then uh, who did they play last Saturday? I was, I was there. I can't remember. Uh, uh, Clemson, of course, so the birthday right?
1: party was a good time, then, uh, yeah, actually.
2: Yeah. Some, some uh, memory has left the building.
4: <laughs> but, uh, Boston College, Clemson, NC State, and Wake Forest, you, you looked at it and said they need to win those four games. You almost have to, right? When uh, What they've done, they, they've won the first three. They're in, I think, good position to go to Wake Forest and maybe get a win on the road. Uh, And at that point, you're over 500 in the league uh, before going up to Syracuse for a Thursday game up there. And, you know, I don't think anybody expects Syracuse to be an easy game, especially not going to Syracuse. But playing up there this year maybe isn't the same as it is in a typical year. You know, Syracuse isn't quite at the level that we're accustomed to. So uh, maybe it'd be one where you could steal there. Uh, So I think just first and foremost, the way that they bounced back uh, and just handled their business, I know that's kind of a cliche. uh, And then to take it a little deeper, I thought both, and uh, really in the Boston College game, uh, the Clemson game, and the NC State game, uh, you saw them kind of you know, maybe maybe waver a little bit in the second half when, when teams would get a little bit closer, uh, and they always had an answer. You know. Uh, and a lot of times it's from Dwayne Bacon making a shot like he did last night against NC State, or excuse me, two nights ago against NC State, uh, whether it's Malik Beasley just sort of taking over and saying, you know, forget this, I'm going to the basket and, and scoring. Uh, every, every time an opponent has had Florida State on the ropes in the second half, Since that Pittsburgh game, Florida State has had an answer, and I think that's a really positive
2: development. Tim, we talk a lot about particularly the freshmen, their scoring. Mann has started scoring. Benji Bell's been raining some threes, though he's not a freshman. He's a first-year player. But what's turned this around, in my opinion, is the young kids, along with the veterans, have finally awoken or woken up uh, to understand they've got to play defense if they want to win basketball games.
4: I agree completely. And, and, you know, they've said it. Uh, Dwayne Bacon has said after just about every game, uh, his his quote is almost the same. He says, if we don't play defense, we don't win. Uh, so so they get it. It's just a matter of making it happen. And, look, uh, you know, anybody who's ever been to this program will tell you that Leonard Hamilton's defense is tough to learn for a first-year player. It's really, really demanding. Uh, it demands a lot of energy as well as smarts. And so it's not surprising when really talented players like Wayne Bacon and Malik Beasley maybe struggle with that aspect of the game uh, early on. But we're seeing them pick it up, I think, and, and it's, it certainly is a, is a positive development. Even when teams make shots or when they shoot well, like NC State did in the second half, it never feels like it's coming easy. Uh, at least not for extended stretches of time. And, and you know, it, when it's you're talking about the difference between a handful of points, uh, they, they didn't need to be that much better. They seemed to be a little bit better, and, and so far they've they've been that little bit, and, and even more so at certain points.
2: The other part that's not sexy is, is rebounding. I mean, uh, Bojo, who in my opinion has been unbelievably soft. Uh, for the majority of the season. I mean, he had nine rebounds uh, uh, Monday night. Uh, you know, you can win when you're getting that type of production, not point production, but blocking shots, getting rebounds from your interior people.
4: Oh, absolutely. And, you know, when, when you talk about the, the the struggles that Florida State has had on the glass this year, and it's been that, you know, if there's been a common theme in most of their losses has been they just really, really struggled in terms of rebounding. And when you think about what they've been able to do without getting much from Boris Bojanowski. I think before Monday night's game, he was averaging less than four rebounds per game. If you can get him involved, it completely changes the complexion of your team, I think. I mean, and as a seven-foot-three senior, you know, I, he should be getting nine rebounds far more often than he doesn't. And, you know, we'll see this weekend if he's turned the corner, if he just had a really nice game. But, again, it's one of those things that if he can can get to that level, even, you know, once every three games, two out of three games, It's a different team for Florida State, and all of a sudden, you know, you've got a a pretty jazzy-looking attack there. If you got a guy who can clean up uh, near the basket and get those rebounds and get it out to the guys who, you know, we've seen that they haven't had much trouble scoring, especially Bacon and Beasley. And and so, if you can gather those rebounds, it's it's basketball one-on-one. But for for a while there, they just couldn't do it. If you can gather those rebounds and get it out to your guys who can score, uh, you're going to be a
2: a handful for whoever you're playing. And and in transition, this group is just—they're just fun to watch. Just fun to watch.
4: And, and they're really good at it. Uh, and, uh, you know, maybe that's you what know, we saw in that Clemson game. Uh, Devin Booker was playing like a little Tasmanian devil on defense, uh, creating deflections, creating steals. You know, he's fourth, in, out the, he's fourth in the defense defense. conference
2: in steals.
4: Yeah. I yeah. didn't even
2: realize that until a couple yeah. of games ago.
4: Yeah, no, exactly. And, and you yeah, know, I'm glad you brought him up. You brought up Bojo. I wanted to mention the seniors. Uh for the, maybe like the first month or two of the season, it almost felt like the senior class was holding this team back a little bit. You know, you had Bacon and Beasley doing what they could, getting Terrence Mann involved, and then the, the seniors were just really, really struggling, especially Monte Brandon, who had just a, a, a really just a bad month, and I felt terrible for him. He's Monte's a really nice kid, one of the nicest that I've ever been around. But he was just having a tough time. Well, now you see – He had a pretty strong game against NC State. Uh, Boris Bojan and Clemson, Boris Bojanowski's coming along. Devin Booker, I thought, has been playing really well over the last couple of weeks, not just with his shots, but on defense the defensive pressure. And and a lot of his teammates have said, you know, you don't realize how much of our defense and, and how much of our offense, in turn, is generated by Devin forcing turnovers, forcing pressure, forcing mistakes from the other team, and then getting out in transition where when it's Bacon and Beasley, it's almost like an automatic two points.
1: Mentioning the seniors, you know, now that Ojo is going through pregame warmups and all that, is there? I I could ask Keith this question. I don't know the answer. If if he's, if they think he's ready, they're going to try and play him this year. or Is he definitely being held back for next year?
4: I I don't know for sure. I wonder if they know for sure. Um, You know, again, let's let's see how Boris plays uh, against Wake Forest. If he grabs another nine boards, then you might hold hold Michael Ojo out. If, If they continue or if they fall back into some of the struggles they've had. Uh, in the post and maybe you uh maybe you see what, what Michael can do. But my my inclination, my guess is that they'll probably hold him back and uh and, and wait and see about getting him a fifth year for next year, which you'd be eligible for a fifth year for next year. And, because... and you don't have
2: to do anything special because he's he's not right. played at all this year. Correct. So he Correct. doesn't yes, need a hardship, he doesn't need a medical. It's just right. a red shirt season. Yeah.
4: Right, and and I know they're also investigating what they can do with Phil Kofler. He's played a little bit more. Now
2: he uh, he's going to have to get a medical hardship, right? As right. I understand it, because he has played more than the allotted games that are allowed to just declare. I registered. think it's just
1: one more though. Yeah, it's yeah. close. It's, it's close. close. It's not like yeah, he
4: well, has eligibility either way. But I know they're at least going to apply and see if they can get him an extra
1: year. Right. All right. Let's let's switch gears here, Tim. The news uh, came out. And I didn't hear the second part of this because uh, I'm not sure if it's going to be in the press box, but they're going to serve beer at Hauser Stadium this year. <laughs> yeah. So do you know the answer to that question?
4: Uh, well, I mean, I suppose if you went and got it and brought it back, I suppose it would be in the press box. Uh, no, I, I don't know. Right, so who's going to be the
1: designated runner?
4: But I know, uh, I, I know some of the guys who usually populate the baseball press box, and it wouldn't surprise me if uh, if somebody had a cooler under their, uh, their, their spot under their desk at some point over the course of the season, maybe during one of those... Uh, those weather delays that we always seem to have during the regionals.
1: We won't name names. We'll just leave it at every hack that covers baseball.
4: <laughs> Certainly the ones that covered on a regular basis.
1: Yeah, no, but uh, so did, I'm assuming you've been out to baseball at this point, and I will have time to get into deeper discussions, but what's your initial thoughts uh, as you know, sort of the preseason rankings come out and they've rolled the balls and bats out there and are practicing for real?
4: The rankings seem about right. You know, Florida State lost their top hitter in D.J. Stewart, their top pitcher in Boomer Bogowski, and they don't have obvious candidates to replace those guys. So I think the ranking, which is you know somewhere between 15 and 20, about it seems, uh, is pretty fair. Uh, it, it, you know, a lot of it depends. I think on some guys that we just don't know what they're going to do yet. You know, they got the uh, the freshman Cole Sands, who's the uh, the hard throwing right hander. Uh, they clock his fastball in the mid 90s. It seems like, and it's been a while since Florida State's had a guy like that who's been a difference maker. Uh, Mike Martin said at the first practice that he's going to start. Uh, that's not a that's not a question. Uh, he said the, the the quote was he'll be given every opportunity to be a weekend rotation guy, uh, and if not, then he'll be a midweek starter. So they obviously have big plans uh, for him. I think uh, in the in the lineup, I'm I'm really curious to see what they can get out of Taylor Walls and Dylan Busby, uh, guys who I think both showed lots of flashes as freshmen, but also particularly on defense, maybe shows some of the, the the growing pains that freshmen. Uh, do show, and if there's one thing that Mike Martin just you know just drives him up the wall is is you know not being able to pick up the baseball and and not being able to play defense. So they need to show some improvements there. but uh, but with the way they were able to swing the bat at times, I think that there's at least some reason for optimism. So it, it should be a pretty interesting season. Mike Compton's back for his fifth year. Uh, John sandstone is senior. He's actually moved from second base to third base, which should be a, a pretty interesting thing to watch. you know you see too many guys make that switch after three years. So plenty of intriguing storylines. Oh, and I forgot to mention that. Ben Deluzio, uh, is a player that, you know, I think really they'd love to see him develop into the, the kind of all-star potential that, that he, he sort of arrived with a few years ago, his fourth-round pick of Florida Marlins, excuse me, the Miami Marlins, uh, and just kind of, you know, really took a while, I think, to get adjusted to the college game. He's talked about it, said that, you know, it was one of the longest slumps of his life, and you kind of have to learn how to deal with it, but he thinks that having been through it and, and come out on the other side, it's made him a better player, and well, time will tell if that's accurate, but if it is true, that uh, certainly is good news for the state.
1: All right, we'll dive deeper into baseball in coming weeks as we creep closer to opening day and the leadoff dinner and all that in uh, in mid-February. Tim, uh, you know, we call you our Seminoles.com insider, but uh, give me that website again. I guess you've got a new name for the business card this for week. Just,
4: just for today, FSUtribe16.com, FSUtribe16.com. Dot com all your your national signing day fun and hoopla and photos and videos and analysis and whatever else we can cram on there uh, it'll all be there today
1: and 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 pictures from your 40th birthday party so yeah yeah nice
4: yeah we, uh, we'll have those that requires a special login with a, a unique password but we can uh, we can offer those up to the listeners
1: excellent all right tim good stuff as always appreciate
2: it you got it guys we'll see you
1: all righty tim lenefelt our, our com insider and uh Good show today, as always, Keith, if I do say so myself.
2: Well, every now and then, we have some good
1: ideas. Every now and then. And every every now and then, we execute them. Well, that's a whole different discussion. It, it is. And uh, I don't, it's a topic for another show, Tom Lang. All right. We'll come back with more on the front row right after this. We don't
0: need no education. We don't need no you are listening to The Front Row with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Got a question? Email them at The Front Row at 979ESPNRadio.com. Here's Tom and Keith.
1: All right, we are back on the front row. Thanks so much for joining us here on National Signing. I do want to give a shout-out to the uh, folks at the Flying Bear uh, up on Thomasville Road. Uh, we talk about this often. Uh, good buddy Brian up there. If you're if you're out that way, it's a good family-owned and operated restaurant. Uh, I always mention the Block family is uh, there pretty routinely, and that is true, although my wife and kids probably more than I am, just uh, from simple aspect that I'm downtown a lot during the hours, uh, working hours. But trek your way uptown. There you go, uptown Tallahassee, uh, Flying Bear, Great American Grill. We've got. Uh, we're, we're pleased now uh, here on the front row. I mean, this is. I'm, I'm looking forward to this a lot for the next few minutes. Uh, a former seminal star is going to join us, and and as I mentioned at the top of the broadcast, Keith and I uh, are pre-recorded this edition of of the front row on National Signing Day. Uh, because of obligations we had at uh, at Jimbo's National Signing Day party that's that's taking place as you listen right now, but so we wanted to, to kind of give things a different perspective than just covering who signed today. And so, one of the all time seminal greats joins us now, Leon Washington. Leon, how are you doing?
5: I'm doing pretty good. Thanks for having me, guys. Go Nose.
1: There you go. You bet. And uh, it is uh, it is a privilege, and uh, Leon, it makes me feel old because when I look up the years you played at FSU and see that it was 0-2 to 0-5, I think, where has the time <laughs> gone? Because we're in 2016. Do you look at it the same way at this point?
5: Yeah, I definitely do, man. Uh, I remember going through the recruiting process um, back in 2002 and 2001 and looking at the guys getting recruited right now and how everybody's on social media. It seems like everybody's a five-star recruit. So time has definitely flew by,
1: yeah. And you and you were pre-social media, and that certainly has changed it. But uh, you know, think back to what you were, Mister Football in the state of Florida when you were coming out from uh, from Jacksonville. Uh, it, you know, when did it become just an intense? I can't answer the phone. I don't want to deal with this. I mean, what was that process like when you were a junior and senior uh, in high school?
5: Well, you know, it started my junior year. started getting a few letters from um, you know, kind of like the regional. Um, schools, Clemson, South Carolina, Florida, Florida State. And then going to my senior year on September 1st, when all the college coaches can actually call you on that specific day, I feel like on that same day I got maybe 50 phone calls on the same day. And I remember Purdue calling me 6 a.m. in the morning offer offering me a scholarship my senior year on that day. So I knew at that time coaches were trying to take advantage of what were the NCAA rules were, how they were allowed to contact a recruit. And it just seemed like from that point on, you know, every day, it's five or six schools calling, you know, wanting to talk to you. So it's kind of cool when you go through that process, you really want to narrow your list down quickly because it's kind of hard to fill all those calls each and every night going through high school.
1: Do you ever regret not signing up for Purdue? I mean, West Lafayette in December and January, I'm told, is beautiful.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Not at all, not at all. Leon, one of the things that – and I'm 20 years prior to you – uh, coming out of Wildwood high school. One of the things that I remember, let me get your perspective on this. We could get snail mail and they could call on the telephone. Those were the only two means of communication back then. The internet wasn't around. We didn't have cell phones, that type of thing. And there were times I didn't go home. I'd go to a friend's house. I'd go to my girlfriend's house. I didn't want to, I didn't go home. I made mom take all of those calls. Did you ever find yourself, you know, kind of hiding from that communication?
5: You're absolutely right. I remember my grandma, you know, telling me after I've been outside playing after out school, hey, you know, this coach called, this coach called, this coach called. And I'm like, man, you know, in my mind, I already got my mind made up on the five schools I really want to go to, or the few schools I have in my own final choice. But, you know, you don't want to be disrespectful in that process. So as a young kid, it was hard for you to tell schools that you really weren't interested in that you didn't want to talk to them. So, it became with your parents actually, you know, end up taking that role and actually filling a lot of calls for you. Absolutely
1: right. What advice would you give to some of these highly touted prospects that have been going through the recruiting process and regardless of who they signed with, but in particular, you know, they signed with FSU, they're coming in, they have a chance to play at a program like Florida State?
5: Well, the first thing is whoever you sign with, whoever you commit to, you know, stay committed with that. You know, stay with your commitment. It really doesn't matter where you're going to go at. The National Football League is going to find you if you have an opportunity to be a player in the National Football League. So stay with your commitment. Enjoy the process. You know, Enjoy visiting different cities you've never been to. I know when I first, one of my first recruiting visits to Oklahoma, that was the first time I got on the airplane. So, you know, that was pretty cool to go on the airplane for the first time and then go out of town. So enjoy the process. And I'm sure that's a, that's a lot for a lot of kids who are coming out of high school, going through that process. Well, enjoy it. But whoever you're committed to, stay committed to it because you see it throughout this year and throughout these times these kids are constantly changing schools if they don't like it when they get there they don't want to compete they'll go to another school where they can be putting the limelight and putting that starting role so just stay committed to the school that you're at
2: that, that kind of warms my heart we're talking of course with leon washington former great here at florida state university leon my first trip on an airplane was to tuscaloosa alabama to meet bear bryant wow and wow, how cool I ended up not signing with Alabama. They wanted me to play quarterback. I wanted to be a defensive back. Coach Bowden wanted me to be a defensive back, and, and we came to an agreement there. How about this? Now that you're a little older and you reflect back, you see these kids on National Signing Day, and they're so full of themselves, and they think they're going to come in and start from day one, and they're so ignorant and or naive or anything in between. Think back to where you were at 18 years of age, and then when you got through with your Florida State career, you you, you made your way to the NFL. How much growing up did the, did the Leon Washington and the Keith Jones of the world have to do between 18 and 22?
5: Well, I think the biggest thing, when you get into a, a big-time university like an Alabama, like a Florida State, um, Clemson, what has become, you got to realize once you get on there, you're no longer the big man on campus. I remember when I signed with Florida State, coming in that year. Lorenzo Booker came in, who's one of the number one player in the nation, and also Thomas Clayton, that running back came in. We all came in the same year, so you got to realize you're not the big man on campus. Everybody's not going to be there, you know, to pull on you and to motivate you each and every way. So um, that became apparent immediately. And then when you got on campus, you became a grown man. You know, you were accountable how hard you're going to work. You know, what were you going to put into it? There's no longer your high school coach extremely motivating you. You know, you you're, you're Bobby Bowden definitely does that, but it becomes more of an individual motivation from one time you get to college and going through the National Football League, and I, and I think that should be tremendous. If a player can individually motivate themselves from high school and translate, translate it from college to the National Football League, you'll do yourself well.
1: You mentioned Bobby Bowden. I'm curious what the visit was like when Coach Bowden came to see you, and also curious how much negative recruiting went on when you were being recruited, uh, maybe, you know, in general, but in, in Coach's case, maybe related to his age at that point.
5: Well, I mean, it was pretty fun when I was coming out. Um, I remember when I was coming out, uh, I actually grew up in Jacksonville, Florida, so I was kind of, you know, kind of stuck in the Florida, Georgia type of thing because I'm seeing it every every year. And I remember getting recruited, Steve Spur was actually leaving, going to the NFL, to the Redskins, and Ron Zoot was coming in. And uh, I made a couple of visits to Tallahassee, and I remember my first visit to Tallahassee um, coming to the football camp. You know, I just fell in love with the environment of how much, when you come to Tallahassee, when you play at Florida State, how much you feel at home when you come into the locker rooms, how much you feel at home with the coaches. You see recruits and you hear them talk about it all the time. The Tallahassee environment at Florida State is such a homey environment that players feel comfortable playing there. And so when I came in, I automatically – you know, connected with Coach Bobby Bowen. I remember him coming to my um, grandma's house and uh, actually sitting down on the couch, you know, talking to my grandma, grandmother, grandmother, my grandfather, and uh, it would just felt like, you know, my grandmother was like, knew I was in great hands with a great own um, football coach. So this is one of the things that I, I I'm glad I had a chance to experience it. Um, I played with some uh, a bunch of great coaches, but Bobby Bowen has one of doing the best ones I ever played for
1: talking with uh, Leon Washington. Now, you mentioned growing up in the shadow of Florida, Georgia. Did, I've heard this, I, I think, but did you grow up a Florida fan, Leon?
5: Yeah, I actually, I grew up a Florida fan. And, uh, you know, in, in the recruiting process, Florida really didn't recruit me as so hard. They offered me a scholarship. I remember Steve Spurrier calling me like, hey, you know, Leon Washington, this is Steve Spurrier, the Gators, because he was about to be on his way out of there. He's like, hey, you know, University of Florida, want to offer you a scholarship. If you want it, take it. If not, we wish you the best of luck. You know, I was like, hey, that's a great recruiting pitch. You know what <laughs> I mean? But when Bobby Bowen comes in, you know, he's sitting out, he's really talking to you. He's really intrigued about you as a young man. He's really want to figure out what's your goals in life and things of that. Such. So it, it makes it easier for me in that process, for me to switch. It wasn't hard at all. So I kind of knew in my heart my whole entire senior year I was, I was heading towards Florida State.
1: Well, now just to make uh, everyone well aware, if they weren't already, that uh, you're, you're full garnet and gold. Share the name. Oh, share the names <laughs> of your kids, and oh, explain. Yeah. And a full
5: expl-
1: <laughs> Well, first of well, all, if you haven't figured out, I mean, you rearrange the letters of Leon, you get Noel, right? So, yeah. so let's take it from there.
5: Well, yeah, okay. So I have my ten year old is Leon. He's a Leon junior, and then my six year old is Noel. Uh, that's the way I pronounce it is N O E L, which is Leon backwards. And then my four-year-old, who's Nolan, is N-O-L-E-N, Nolan. So they're huge Seminole fans. Uh, half of my family is Gator fans. They're Seminole fans. We had a big Thanksgiving dinner up in the mountains Thanksgiving weekend. And Nolan and Noah are doing the war chant in front of my family member's face. So it was awesome. So. Um, they're, they're full, no bloody and trust
2: me, if you cut me, I'm no-blooded all the way. Well, Leon, we're finding more and more things that you and I have in common. My oldest daughter is named Amber, as uh-huh. in waves of grain, which are gold. Go and off. my my uh-huh. son's name is Garrett, which is as close to garnet his, as his mom would let me get. <laughs>
5: <laughs> there you go man there you go i mean that's how much i love for state it's right there it's all in my kids name
1: well and see i'm going to throw myself out here on the line a little bit too because i have i have two kids now my wife is from new orleans uh leon and uh-huh. and new orleans the abbreviation is nola so like you go to nola.com it's a website uh-huh. about new orleans there's a nola restaurant i mean if you say nola around there people know you're talking about new orleans so uh-huh. our first child was a daughter, and she wanted to name her Nola, and which is – I won't say it's common, but it's not uncommon in Louisiana. Um, well, I'm from uh-huh. I'm from South Florida where there's a heavy Hispanic population, obviously. And so if you think about like Chica versus Chico, you put an A on the end of the name. It's female. So I said if we name our daughter Nola, that's going to – people are going to think female Nola is what I named my daughter. No. Uh-huh. So <laughs> anyway – we didn't name my daughter's name is Reagan. Has nothing to do with Florida State. So then we have a son. This conversation came back up again, and we went with Nolan as well. Although it's not E N, it is spelled A N, so it's got a little bit of Noel in it, but it's also got a little bit of Nola in it. Nola, so there um, you go. See, we, we got there our bases you go. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and now people know much more about how we named. Than our they kid ever than, wanted
2: to. Than they ever wanted. They, and to they're going to gonna go. You know what? Leon Washington did was great. Jones and Block are just dumb.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, Leon! I, really good perspective on the on the recruiting and the signing day. So, thank you for sharing that. I, I'd be remiss no if we didn't if we didn't get your opinion on on what Dalvin Cook is doing or did to the record book this past year. And I, and I regret to inform you that wherever you are, he's he's going to be moving past you by the time he gets a few more carries. But just your general impressions on watching him play this past year.
5: Well, obviously, he brings a special skill set to the game. And uh, I like to say it myself, you know, he's one of the first runners since I've seen, since I left there, that has the ability to put that foot in the ground, that one cut, and make that move and be gone. I mean, that's a special trait. That's something that you can't really teach. So, from that aspect, he he has a tremendous ability to do that. He was a five-star recruit coming out of South Florida. Um, I know that we got him to uh, switch his mind up, leaving from Florida Gators to come to Florida State. So... And then you hear about his tremendous work ethic that he has and the tremendous teammate that he is. So there's no there's no doubt in my mind, you know, Ward, Dunn, him, are probably one of the best two, you know, pure running backs to come out of Florida State. So um, when his game is going to translate to the national level, you can see it. I mean, he's going to have the ability, what the NFL is going to, when the players can take advantage of space, he's going to have that ability to take advantage of space and be gone. Um, he has tremendous limbs, long arms, has a tremendous stiff arm. Um, he runs well in the inside, outside zone, running scheme. game, can catch the ball at the backfield, he's a great leader. So to see Jockheads, Fitzpatrick, and some of the other guys coming after him, um, it's going to be nice. We're having a nice, stable group, um, group of running backs leading Florida State last recent years.
1: Yeah, it's going to be fun to watch the rest of that career uh, <laughs> unfold. Leon, uh, I'll let our listeners in on some trivia as we let you go. I think you're the only Seminole that scored a touchdown five ways, and maybe I'm selling you short, but you have you've had a punt return, or during your career, punt return, kick return, rushing touchdown, uh, receiving touchdown, and you recovered a blocked punt. If memory serves, is that is that the yes. gamut, or did I miss one?
5: You got you hit it round right the head. The only player in Florida State history scored five different ways, uh, and I think that's, that's just tremendous. The type of player I came in out of Andrew Jackson High School. Um, in Jacksonville, Florida, I play every position. I was actually the number one cornerback coming out, according to rivals. So I was able to play you know different positions on the field, and it served me well in the National Football League. Be able to return punts, return kicks, you know, run out of backfield, block, catch. So the more you can do, the better it is. So I just always enjoy playing football. But it's one of those things that you know I could tell Nolan. He has to try to beat when
1: he gets to Florida State. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, Leon Washington, thank you again. Uh, I know Knoll Nation is big fans. I, I have been for a while. I'm starting to really have a, a, a fondness. We, we're, we're turning out a lot of uh, running backs that are just really first-class kids. I mean, Devontae Freeman, Dalvin Cook, Leon Warwick. I mean, I saw that photo you guys at the Peach Bowl. It's a it, it's a good list there, but thanks for joining us, Leon. Man,
5: Tom and thanks for having me. Appreciate it, man. Go Nose, guy.
1: Take care, brother. All righty, so we just had to dispel. In case anybody got concerned that there was any orange and blue left in there, we just wiped wiped the slate clean there. We know that's garnet and gold. Really good stuff and good perspective for National Signing Day. All right, we'll step aside, come back. There's still more to come here on the front row.
0: Broadcasting live from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in Tallahassee's All Saints District, this is The Front Row with Tom Block and Keith Jones, presented by Hobson Chevrolet. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Here's Tom Block and Keith Jones.
1: We are back on the front row. We are uh, covering the full gamut today. It's National Signing Day, and uh, again, we recorded this show earlier in the day uh, due to some obligations we had involving Jimbo Fisher's National Signing Day party, which is uh, going on as you listen right now. Uh, So that said... As we discussed this, Keith, we don't have a full list of all Florida State's recruits in here, but we did touch on this, and we're going to hear from Jimbo again momentarily from when he met the media late this afternoon. Uh, I do think, and, and I'm sure especially the younger listeners get tired of hearing their granddad talk about how when they used to go to school, it was uphill both ways through snow in a blizzard. and Barefoot. But I do think you need to relay your National Signing Day experience from when you graduated high school, in, and I'll help you do this. What year? 1977. 1977. So what did you post on Twitter or Facebook in 1977?
2: Uh, The internet had not been invented. Um, We did not have cell phones, and we had a party line rotary telephone without any uh, answering machine. So I wasn't posting, twittering, tweeting, or doing anything.
1: Now, was this an era where there was a limit on how many people were signed? Was it a big deal? Did your school have an assembly and a press conference, or was it not even a big deal? And I mean, uh,
2: I signed sitting at mom and dad's uh, dining room table with Coach Jim Gladden, my brother and sister, and my girlfriend at the time, and we took a Polaroid. Is that how you say that? Polaroid. That photograph, which is the only record of that, and Coach Gladden went and left and got some more signatures somewhere else.
1: Jim Gladden, one of the uh, all-time greats. Uh, we're gonna <clears throat> we're gonna digress here, but have you ever heard him use the expression a poke and plum town? Oh yeah. Now Jim Gladden used to recruit South, I mean uh, South Georgia, not South Florida. We're talking the opposite here, South Georgia, all the back roads, and he said, "Yeah, I was in another one of those poke and plum towns." I said, what's a poke and plum town? He said, you poke your head out the car, you're plum out of town. <laughs> I said, and now I know what a poke and plum town and is. And
2: the greatest compliment <laughs> Coach Gladden can give you is if he ever referred to you as a tush hog. He's a tush
1: hog all right so what and another interesting thing you mentioned jim gladden was there when you signed which happened back in the day but a number of years ago because coaches from multiple schools would show up creating even more pressure on prospects on signing day they the ncaa banned that so that coaches are no longer at the signing day ceremonies of these kids that is correct it's a a dead period it's a dead i can only imagine how that would uh, would unfold nowadays anyway all that said, just some perspective on, on how we've evolved as a, as a country and a world since 1977 as it relates to, to signing day, although people do still use the fax machine. We are told. I'm told that you can also scan and send your letter of intent, but the fax machine will still bring in about half of the, uh, the total for Florida State today. All right, all that said, let's go back. Uh, we played this at the top of the hour, but if you're just tuning in, uh, this was Jimbo earlier today talking about the 2016 Seminole uh, signing class when he met with the media over at the uh, FSU Athletic Center. Take it away, Jimbo.
3: First off, I would uh, like to welcome all of our new recruits. To to part of our being part of our family here at Florida State, we see ourselves as a family, and uh, uh, we uh, think we added to our family today quite well in a lot of regards. Not just as far as football players, but as far as high character, quality young men who are interested in getting a great education and uh, also can play a little ball. But uh, you know, very happy with the group we got. Uh, very proud of our coaches. I think our coaches did an outstanding job building these relationships. A lot of these relationships were two, three, and four year relationships. Spent a lot of time, a lot of hard fought battles. Uh, very unique uh, group. And, and if you go back and look at this class, it was 25 signees, 13 kids from the state of Florida, but we signed kids from 10 different states. So, I mean, I think the brand of Florida State being able to be out there and people being very interested in being part of our culture and what we do here and our winning traditions and our championship traditions, I think, speaks for itself. But also... Great job by coaches when you sign guys outside of your normal home base areas to build and the the high quality of players in which we were able to do that. That's a a very hard thing to do consistently. And uh, I think our coaches did a tremendous job in what they did and also the support staff and the people here once they came on the visits. uh, I think everyone here, we got a lot of great feedback from the high quality people that everyone had to deal with here had nothing to do with coaches or myself that were just the support staff in every way shape and form and like I say everybody who uh, has a part in Florida State has a part in this program that affects our program and uh, they guys did a great job in that regard and most importantly our players our players did a tremendous job of hosting kids and showing them our everyone come back so they felt very comfortable around our players even the star players they were nervous and said, so, you know I didn't know how to be around guys such as Dalvin Cook and DeMarcus Walker and guys that have such a big name and you worry." They said, Coach, they were just normal, good old guys just like us. And our players understood the importance of recruiting and how many young players have an impact in your program just like a lot of them did when they came in and uh – I think they're passing that down making these guys feel very comfortable in visits and letting them know that there's a great family atmosphere here and, and that everyone here will take care of you in a great regard and help you in, in all phases in development as a person, as a student, as a player. And, uh but just extremely excited about it. Uh, we feel like the guys that we evaluated, that we were very comfortable in the guys that we were able to get and uh, are the guys we wanted. And uh, like you say, everybody said, would you get everybody? There's, you don't ever get everybody you recruit, but I don't worry about those. I worry about the ones we've gotten, and we've gotten a great great group of guys and a great group of players so very excited about the future and hopefully in time we'll see how how things turn out we got to keep developing players and our coaches do a great job of that as uh, some of our highest draft picks and things that have went on have came from some of our even lower ranked guys so not only are our high ranked guys are panning out also so uh, I think it's a great job our our testament to our staff and how they're developing these guys once they get here and in all phases so very proud of this group.
4: Jimbo, was the Genesis
3: or what was unfolded to get some more manual here? Always was wanted here. See, that's the thing that uh, I mean. When he first came up here, before he was, a, you know, he loved Florida State back uh, in the spring in the, in the couple years before. I mean, he was a big Florida State fan and felt very comfortable here. And we didn't—I didn't know why—flipped he flipped to Florida, and we called and said, "Hey, is this thing over?" He said, "No, coach. I'm not. I want you to keep recruiting me." So we just kept recruiting him normally, and he ended up flipping over. I mean, it was no no magical formula, just just relationships, and sometimes guys commit to other places and flip back. I mean, you know, again, that, it's back and forth. There's no just kept going.
4: And one of the you went to Washington D.C. area again for another kid. What was it when did you start paying attention to the mid Atlantic area, Washington, Maryland? I know you always got some out of Virginia, but what started that ball rolling? With- well,
3: I think the quality of football that's there, and our conference, we go. Yeah, remember something? We go up the whole East Coast. So we go that way to play games. That's going back home for these kids. So, I mean, they come to Florida State. They recognize with our league... As much as they do any league in college football, because that's really the home area where we play up and down the East Coast. So, I mean, to be in the ACC, and then, you know, we've been winning the most games in the ACC and been the team in the ACC. So, you know, they want to be part of that. And they get to be in warm weather here and then to go back that way and play ball and, and in their home area, whether it's covered extensively by the hometown papers and all that stuff. So, and you look at that, that whole area there has top, top notch football. I mean, it's, it's great. So it makes sense to get in there.
1: And again, Jimbo's uh, comments from uh, earlier today when he met the media about his signing class. Keith and I pre-recorded the show early on signing day, so we don't know how the, the, uh, the chips stacked up, so to speak. But uh, uh, surely a, another very good class for Florida State. Another thing that's changed over the years, and Florida State has seven of them this year, Keith. I mean, the early enrollee right. thing, I mean, if you think back, I mean, I can think back to my senior year, and I was a pretty good student. But by the time my second semester of my senior year rolled around, I was happy to not be such a good student necessarily and have fun with people you've been friends with for a while. Not that I wasn't having fun all along and kind of check out and enjoy the whole. I've been accepted to college. I'm doing this. Senior prom's coming up, so it is a totally different ballgame now to think about. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave high school you know, a semester early so I can get, it. really, it's on-the-job training. The guys that are leaving early, it's because they want to, you know, they they can get better training, be ready for the NFL in the time.
2: Comes. My senior year, the, the January to May of my senior year, uh, I, I was still back in Wildwood. Obviously, I, there was no coming up early. Uh, I was taking three classes because that's all I needed in order to, to finish the number of credits required for my diploma. Uh, and I was playing baseball you know that's the other part of these kids that come in early yeah, of their multi-sport athletes they're missing out on those they're parts. missing out on basketball and or baseball and or track whatever it might be or all uh, of their senior year it, it's really a commitment on their part to get that jump start but you're right that's a that's kind of a recent phenomenon and uh, i don't know that uh, jimbo and his staff necessarily encourage it I don't know that it's a focus for them, but certainly they do not discourage it. And Florida State welcomes them in if they can uh, get everything in order to make that happen.
1: I would bet that uh, if they think it's a student-athlete who can handle it, they probably Probably do do encourage it. You get them... uh, Onto the training table, onto the weight program sooner. You get them uh, acclimated to school. They get some credits out of the way. I think there's a lot of benefit there, but there is a trade off because you give up the last part of your senior no year. No question. All right, some final thoughts, uh, parting thoughts, uh, I guess, will be the case when we uh, continue here on the National Signing Day edition of the Front Row right after this.
0: Listening to the front row with Tom Locke and Keith Jones. Got a question? Email them at the front row at 979ESPN Here's Tom and Keith. We're back and uh,
1: about out of time. Jam pack show. Uh, special thanks to Tim Linefelt uh, as always and Leon Washington. Class uh, act. Class act. Class always a good guy and uh, good to have him on and really some good perspective there. Keith, uh, it, it is signing day. You mentioned uh, earlier the number of five-star prospects in the Super Bowl. I don't know what that is. We'll probably know it before the weekend's over. But uh, who you taking? Who you pulling for here?
2: Uh, I, I'm pulling for Peyton Manning and the Broncos. I'm, I'm fairly confident that
1: it will be Cam Newton and the Panthers. I, I tend to agree. I, if the, and if the Panthers win, the good news there would be Graham Gano gets a Super Correct. Bowl ring, so that's not a bad thing. I feel like uh, here is the topic for another show. Peyton Manning, for all his – greatness it's almost like he's looked at as if he somehow accidentally got one super bowl ring and and how did it happen and how did it and happen was in the rain so it feels like if he got one more it would uh you know maybe add a little bit uh, legitimize but he's been a tremendous guy to watch it, very much so very much so and uh but anyway that said I, i'm like you i think the panthers will win
2: i'll leave you with this last thought how would you like to have a profession where your entire career is based upon the decisions made by 17 and 18 year olds welcome to today
1: if my profession paid what coaches make these days i probably would roll the dice and live with it however for the rest of the history of college football until about 10 15 years ago no you can have it 17 and 18 year olds anyway we'll see it. four years from now we'll go back and judge this class right no nobody does that we, we're on to the next well we'll class. be the first all right we're done he's keith i'm tom this is the front right night